Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Steger would later write some of this. Uh, he wrote, as the days pass, Anna's body swells into forms more and more. At one point, it is so disfigured that her body has become a bloated, shapeless mass and nuns turn away from her bed, fearing she may explode. Like a like a Willy Wonka blueberry girl. Exactly. Like yeah. That. I couldn't have put that, that. He said that in his writing. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that Bill, Willy Wonka Like in the Willy girl. Wonka blueberry like girl. Sometimes her forehead elongates, kind of like when you're in the Haunted Mansion elevator. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. Hello, welcome back to Shit They Don't Tell You. I'm Nikki Lima. Hello, and my name is Steve, and my name is Steve Green. And this is a spooky episode for the month of Shocktober. Please now flicker your lights wherever you are. Yeah, wherever you are. If you, or if you don't, if you can't pay the electric bills, maybe candles or a lighter. A lighter. Oh, that's work. good. Yeah. It's Go find spooky. your matches out there. Pretty spooky. And then you gotta you gotta light them up, and then you gotta blow them out. And then blow them out. Make sure you blow them out. Yep. We don't want to be the cause of any fires. You can use happen. a cell phone light and flicker that. Oh, you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Modern day technology. Hell yeah, everybody. Well, um, yeah. So I decided because I wanted to talk about something spooky for the month of October, I would look into um, exorcisms because I think exorcisms are fascinating. The fact that someone's job right now today is to go and exorcise demons from people's bodies. Absolutely sick. And not only once I started looking into exorcisms, not only is that someone's job, but that job is on the rise. Like that industry of exorcism is booming right now. That's wild. I which I'm like fascinated by. I've heard there's a ton of those in Mexico. Probably. Yeah. Um from these stories, the most crazy stories that I've read, uh they're all like German based. Really? Yeah, I don't know what what, you're, what are you guys doing over there in Germany? Catholicism, probably. <laughs> probably a lot of Catholicism. <laughs> and for those of you who are, are unaware what an exorcism is, uh, Wikipedia defines it as the religious or spiritual practice of evicting demons or other spiritual entities from a person or an area that is believed to be possessed. Depending on the spiritual de- beliefs of the exorcist, this may be done by causing the entity to swear an oath performing an elaborate ritual, or simply by commanding it to depart in the name of a higher power. This practice is an ancient and uh, ancient 
and part of the belief system of many cultures and religions, requested and performed exorcism began to decline in the United States by the 18th century and occurred very rarely until the latter half of the 20th century when the public saw a sharp rise due to the media attention exorcisms were getting. There was a 50% increase in the number of exorcisms performed between the early 1960s and the mid-1970s. That's a fuck ton of increase. So not only am I going to go over what I think are the most chilling exorcist exorcist cases, but also why the, why is it on the rise right now and what is the process of performing an exorcism or getting an exorcism done? Those are things that I'm going to cover in the second half, but first, spooky time. Okay. So one of like the craziest I read a bunch of like these exorcist stories um possession stories but one of the craziest ones is this one uh from anna anna auckland uh there's a book called begone satan a soul-stirring account of diabolical possession in iowa and it's all about this anna auckland case and anna auckland i don't think is her real name i think that's a pseudonym yeah it is her real name is emma schmidt but you just blew up her pseudonym <laughs> well you could have googled it wow but, yeah sorry sorry Emma. sorry anna <laughs> sorry or should i say susan <laughs> But she's really well known by her pseudonym, Anna Auckland. Um, She was born in 1882 in Wisconsin in the United States to German immigrants. See, like German, why? Even in the United States once, it's German immigrants. Germany, you did something. They did a lot of somethings, though. They did a lot of somethings. Uh, Okay, so not much is known about her early childhood, but there doesn't seem to have been anything particularly abnormal about her in those early years. She was raised in a devoutly Catholic family and was apparently, yes, exactly, was apparently always known as quiet, but mostly charming and cheerful girl. In later years, there's been speculation that her father might have been abusive towards her, but this was never confirmed. She seemed like a normal girl, okay, until the age of 14. That's when shit started to hit the fan. Okay, it began with a sudden, a sudden inexplicable aversion to all things religious. Anna had always gone to church regularly and she actually seemed to enjoy it. And she was very involved with the church and all these various activities. But upon turning 14, she found herself feeling very ill and uncomfortable when she entered the building or even laid her eyes upon religious imagery. This grew in intensity until she had a hard time even stepping into the church at all as if some barrier was barring her from entry. And and if she did manage to enter, she would become horribly ill and panicked, overcome with unbearable dread. Communion waters were uh, vomited up. Holy image. Oh, sorry. Communion wafers. <laughs> you know, the wafer that yeah, you yeah, take yeah. when you do first communion or when you do communion. Um, so they were vomited up. Holy images uh, deeply upset her. She would go into fits with when confronted with the Bible, holy water or any holy imagery, eventually not going to church at all, even though um, even eerier were her vocal musings and how she wanted to vandalize church property or attack priests, which she would relay in a sort of a trance. And she wouldn't remember saying any of that stuff later. Jesus. Yeah. She would like go in a trance and then she'd be like, I'm going to destroy you. 14's a hell of a year. <laughs> I mean, it's a hard time for girls. It is. It's like when changing. hormones are happening, demons are, coming demons out of your body. are possessing you. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, at home, she would blurt out incredibly, deeply obscene things, detailing depraved, unspeakable violence and sexual acts she could not have possibly known about, as well as ins- an insatiable, unhealthy interest in sex. So this girl was horny and she was talking about all kinds of sexual shit. Whoa. So there were also um, 
epic mood swings and violent outbursts. Well, this part I feel like I can relate to. I think all of this you can relate to <laughs> so far. So far, yeah. Get very horny, then I have mood swings. This sounds pretty normal. She knows more to me. about sex than her parents think. Yeah. Kind of checks all the boxes. Well, in in her her violent outbursts, which happens worse in some women than others, uh, but she would shout at people or break things in abrupt fits of rage that sprang from seemingly nowhere. And and then she also became morose and distant, spending most of her time alone and shunning all company and keeping herself in self-exile within her room. And this deeply unsettled her parents. She, she just became a recluse. Actually, this still sounds this like me. pretty teenager <laughs> shit. Yeah. This still sounds like Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, listen. If you're, if you're not sold yet. <laughs> she started uh, watching movies in a room alone. And she she was talking about boys. I love how I preface this by saying this is one of the most disturbing cases yeah, I ever watched. So far, this so good. girl got mood swings and wanted to be alone and eat ice cream. It's fucking crazy. And then when she left the house, she went to the mall and started shopping. It's, and then <laughs> like, she cried. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like it couldn't solve her problems. Okay, if you're not sold yet, listen to this. As things progressed for the worse, the advice of medical and psychiatric professionals was sought, but no one could find anything physically wrong with her, nor any particular reason for her outburst. So nothing wrong with her physically or mentally. Every single professional who looked at her deemed her to be completely normal, and she never did. Dis- she never s- displayed her bizarre apparent behavior during these visits. However, at home, things were getting scarier. Anna's violent temper and antisocial tendencies, she uh, could purportedly sometimes be heard to blurt out words or phrases in Latin, a language she had no knowledge of. This would last for several years until Anna's exasperated mother began to suspect that she might be under the influence of demonic forces and turn to the church for help. So she's like blurting out Latin phrases, talking about wanting to fuck everybody and like destroying things in fits of rage. Okay. Um, So then the mom... Anna's mother goes to like to the church for help and she was referred to a capuchin priest I don't know Mm. capuchin I don't know I've never heard of capuchin but it's a capuchin priest originally from Bavaria Germany by the name of Father Theophilus Riesinger who was known as a bit of an expert on demons and came to examine examine her family her and her family after he witnessed Anna's total aversion to religious objects and prayers and then watched her utter stuff in Latin, as well as her knowledge of languages she could not have possibly known, including um, Polish and other Slavic languages, uh, Riesinger came to the conclusion that the girl was possessed and went about organizing an exorcism, which was carried out in June of 1912. According to all accounts, this first exorcism seemed to work just fine. Like, Hmm. he did the exorcism, and then she was like, "Mm, back to normal. But then, like a decade or so later, she was plagued by it again. So in 1928, at the age of 46 now, years and years later, decades later, after going through a a few more episodes, Anna again turned to that same priest, Father Reisinger, and and was really desperate. And this time that that priest was like, yo, I need help with these demons. So he enlisted help with one of his um, trusted priests. And that guy's name was Joseph Steger. And he begged Joseph Steger to join him and Steger was like uh I don't really want to but you're my friend so I'll help so he was like really reluctant to do it um and then it seems that around this time it came to light that oh yeah this is why Steger didn't want to do it because it seems like her father came out as not having been truly dedicated to the catholic church and in fact was engaging in a lot of witchcraft 
with his um with his with her aunt with her what aunt what the Nina. fuck yeah so for how long for years before he died so now uh the dad and the aunt that were doing the witchcraft they're now deceased but it had come out that they were doing witchcraft instead of like they were just pretending to be catholics but really they were doing a lot of witchcraft whoa so um and they supposedly cursed Anna at a really early age through spells and special herbs sprinkled in her food, supposedly because the father was angry that he could not state his incestuous desires for his daughter. Holy shit. Yeah, so like they think he tried to make moves on his daughter and his daughter rejected him, so he cursed her. There was no way to know whether this was actually true or not, but the idea that her own family had perhaps called these demons into her certainly added a, a layer of menace to the proceedings. So Anna's 46. She's like, please help because these demons have been in me for too long. Anna was placed in a covenant run by the Franciscan sisters in Erling, Iowa, where the exorcism was to take place. It was chosen because this was very secluded and also because they wanted to get her as far away from home as possible. They thought maybe that was having an influence on her. So it actually... um, It it took her a while to get into that location because... uh, it, it like she exhibited this like almost superhuman strength and like several nuns and priests had to like get her physically into this location. She started snarling and flailing. Forty five year old woman. Yeah, she started to flail like she was snarling and growling at the at the building and she was flailing um, just by looking at it and she just refused to enter. So they had to force her into there. Um, she had to literally be dragged into the covenant walls and bound to a bed where she growled and snapped at anyone who came near her. On August 17th, 1928, uh, the exorcism exorcism proceedings began in earnest and those two priests had to like go in this room where this woman is like writhing on the bed and snarling and growling at her. And they're like, all right, we're going to do this exorcism. Um, So first they wanted to kind of test her. They were like, maybe she's making it up. Maybe because like a lot of a lot of times like abuse victims since mm-hmm. it had come out that maybe she was abused um they have other disorders and she even though she had gone to psychiatrists who ruled them out they were still like maybe she is acting going through an episode and acting out so they tried placebo effects so they um decided to experiment by testing whether she could tell the difference between regular water and holy water okay. so they would splash her with holy water and she would like freak out and like start screaming and then they would also later on that day they would splash her with what they told her was also holy water and she wouldn't do anything really so she could tell the difference between the holy water and the regular water maybe one was in a very ornate jar maybe and the other one wasn't but they tried to be very like they disguising like not letting her know any of it they also they also did the same thing for food they would bless some food and not other food to see if she could tell the difference and she always did so she would throw up the blessed food but she would not throw up the regular food at all um it was completely inexplicable. Inexplicable. She would also throw epic tantrums when Latin was read to her as a prayer, but not when it was spoken conversationally. And this was seen Got as it. definite signs of a genuine demonic possession, the likes of which no one present had ever seen before. She would also uh, curl up in the corner to purr or hiss like a cat or to deftly climb up the walls like a spider. What the Until fuck? she was forcefully restrained to the bed and tied up. Yeah, she's just fucking crawling up the wall like a spider. This is like that exorcism movie, dude. Yeah, but th- like these people actually saw this shit. And like they 
recorded some of it um the nuns like all got so freaked out they had to like switch covenants after this like so this book details all of these eyewitness accounts of of this happening so yeah she crawled but we're like you know me and you we're like come on a human like crawled up a wall like a no, spider. i'm like spider-man like, it could happen they That's... all everyone there was like yeah this shit happened so <laughs> who knows you know we don't have like video recording of it but um she would crawl up the wall like a spider until she was like forced to like, back down to the bed and bound um Anna is said to have gone unconscious and to have levitated to stip- stick up against the ceiling with so much force that it took several people to pull her back down so how the, could you even pull her down? I would be so fucking scared she's of her levitating. Stuck to a, she levitated and stuck to the ceiling. What? <laughs> and then they're like, uh, 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 <laughs> they try to get her oh, back fuck, down. Man. I mean, I know it's not funny, but it's like it's pretty funny. Like it's that. It's funny that they. That it's funny that like they're. That's the thing that they actually had to do. It's funny that they're they're tugging at her like Nana in the Peter Pan movie. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, to no avail. She was thinking so many happy thoughts. I know. Apparently. So, yeah. Uh, so, she was, like, stuck to the ceiling, even though her her herself seemed to be totally in a comatose state at that time. Mm. Um, voices, wails, growls, and screams were said to bellow out from her, even in the absence of any movement from her mouth. So she wasn't even moving her mouth and like they would hear just like growls, screams, different voices coming out. Was of it her. like you talking inside your mouth? Maybe. Did you guys know I could do that? It was like. <laughs> if this was like, you know, the early 1930s, maybe I that could, could be a I could possession, pass. I think. So these vocalizations were common and sometimes so extreme that they seemed impossible to have come out of the mouth of this woman. Her voice often changing cadence, pitch, and timbre, with sometimes two voices at once speaking. Uh, alien, beast-like noises surging forth and a myriad of other animalistic sounds, including what sounded like a pack of wild beasts suddenly let loose. Jesus. Magic. She's got a sound. She's fucking floating. She's, She's got, got animal noises. Yes. My God. Okay. Haunted. She started playing haunted house noises. In addition to all this, she also had these all these physical symptoms. So she purportedly vomited forth rancid liquid and tobacco leaves. She would just vomit tobacco leaves, spat constantly, urinated copious amounts, allegedly sometimes twenty, ten to twenty times a day. She would just be peeing everywhere. She also clawed or bit at anyone who came close to her and was said to exhibit strength for far beyond a normal human being. At the same time, her body supposedly began to change in appearance. Her eyes bulged inhumanely from her face. Her head and lips swelled up to incredible proportions and her abdomen was claimed to distend to the point where it seemed like it would explode, only to revert to its normal size again to start the whole horrific cycle anew. Her head also physically elongated at certain times, and much of the time she spoke without moving her mouth, uh, and the voices seemed to emanate from her throat. At times, her body was said to um, inexplicably increase in mass until the iron frame of the bed groaned under her weight. So she would just get, she would just become like bloat into like a superhuman form, like a marshmallow man in Ghostbusters, and then she would, and then she would go back to her normal she size. Elongate. Yeah. Steger would later write some of this. Uh, he wrote, as the days pass, Anna's body swells into forms more and more. At one point, it is so disfigured that her body has become a bloated, shapeless mass and nuns turn away from her bed, fearing she may explode. 
like a like a Willy Wonka blueberry girl. Exactly. Like yeah. That. I couldn't have put that, that. that. He said that in his writing. <laughs> yeah. He said like, like that Bill, Willy Wonka Like in the Willy girl. Wonka blueberry like, girl. Sometimes her forehead elongates kind of like when you're in the Haunted Mansion elevator. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. Um, and then she was making so much commotion that the public was like, oh, what's going on in there? And they'd like come over to watch. And then over the course of the marathon exorcism, like because this happened, they were doing exorcisms night and day. Like there were, I think, three total over the course of 26 days. On the same chick. The same chick. Like they had to do it constantly or otherwise the demons would take over more forcibly. Um, so anyway, the, the people came to watch and it became apparent that Anna was possessed by at least four distinct powerful entities as well as well as a horde of lesser spirits so she's possessed by a lot of things and one of the prominent prominent entities introduced itself as beelzebub also called the lord of the flies and one of the seven princes of hell who was claimed to try and engage in the exorcists in com- complex philosophical debates and mind games so when beelzebub was present he was like i'm gonna fuck with these people and yeah, like we like, try to convince convert. them yeah, yeah to come to his side uh another was supposedly jo- judas s Cariot, the very one who betrayed himself? jesus christ Whoa. and who was said to have been trying to convince anna to commit suicide so that her soul would be transported to hell the last two main spirits were Anna's very own father and aunt who died since the first exorcism and seemingly had vengeance on their mind. The dad said he tried to have sex with her and was rejected and the aunt confessed to killing three children while she was alive. My God. Yeah. So the spirits relentlessly taunted and insulted those present too. So like the people, the crowds would gather and the spirits like would like laugh and they would reveal dirty secrets and information that nobody could have possibly known. Um, so that was weird. Like how, if it, if it is just this girl, yeah. like how, how does she, this shit about yeah, how does she know all this stuff? Like, how does she know all these languages? How does she know what water is blessed and not blessed? How does, how does she know all these people's secrets? That's like weird shit. They were, and then there were also said to be swarms of flies and mosquitoes that would suddenly cloud the air out of nowhere. And then they would just vanish. Are you shocked to find out that flies and mosquitoes are part of evil? Cause I'm not, I'm not at all. When at I heard all. that, I was like, Fuck yeah, yep. they should die. Yep. Or maybe they're like a bunch of evil spirits that like had to reincarnate into being mosquitoes. <laughs> good. Yeah, good. Good. Although they're the bitches. Like, why do oh they get powers? God. That's I not fair. I hate it. Okay. So, um, this the second priest, remember that guy I was telling you about who was like reluctantly like, I don't know. Yeah. The dad did witchcraft. I don't know if I want to get involved. Uh, well, he started to regret his decision to allow the exorcism within his church. And he confronted the first priest, uh, Reisinger, over the exorcist stuff. And Reisinger reacted without surprise and blamed the demons for kind of like influencing the second priest. He's like, the demons are telling you that we shouldn't have worked together. And they're trying to and like they tried to get the second priest to call the whole thing off. I can't believe you got this chick crawling up the walls and levitating and shit, and this guy's, like, complaining about the job. Yeah, the guy's like, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> <laughs> like, hello, bro. Yeah. How could you blame the other cat for that? So later, um, the demon speaking through Anna threatened the second priest, Steger, to withdraw permission for the ex- exorcism, and it allegedly said, quote, he will learn to know us better. Lucifer is on his tracks and will make the kettle hot and heavy for him. Ha, ha, ha. Just wait until the end of the week when Friday comes. Then, then the following Friday, 
Steger received a call from a local farmer with a critically ill mother needing last sacraments. And while driving to the home, and just as he was about to cross a bridge over a ravine, a dark black cloud appeared and he was blinded. As a result, he crashed into the railing of the bridge and this, the car got completely destroyed. But he, like, other than a few cuts and frayed nerves, he wasn't seriously injured. So it was kind of like a warning. This is crazy as isn't, fuck. Isn't that crazy? And then later that day when he returned to the covenant and the exorcism, the demon greeted him with, quote, Today he pulled in his proud neck and was outpointed. I certainly showed up in him today. What about your new auto, that dandy car which was smashed to smithereens? It served you right. And then it didn't end there for that guy. Um, he would go home and would be repeatedly awoken at night by noises in his room. And while this could easily be explained as rodents, the house had been rodent-free the entire 14 years that he had lived there before the exorcisms. And night after night, the noises continued, stopping only briefly in deference to various prayers. Jesus. Yeah, this this story is fucking nuts, man. Okay, so then over time, it, it all became so unbearable and utterly terrifying that priests and nuns involved refused to stay for too long in Anna's presence, instead working in shifts lest the poisonous atmosphere and penetrating words of the demonic entities infect their souls. So they did, They were like, oh, fuck this shit. They got in that guy's house. Like, we, it's going to attach to us. Dude, imagine thinking you're going in for a routine exorcism. Yeah. And you got every fucking celebrity demon coming through. Yeah. Including Judas. Yeah. And Beazelbub. Like, the biggest ones of the ones. The A-listers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they thought they were just going to deal with some ghosts, some random ghosts. It's no. like being a security guard at a gated community. You're like, this is going to be a breeze. Yeah. So the first guy, the first priest was the one who spent the most time in the presence of evil because he was like really determined to rid this woman of her demons. But it seemed like it might be a losing battle um, because the demons just continued to like increase in intensity and power of possession. But this guy kept at it. And over three sessions lasting over 23 days, the demons gradually began to weaken and lose their grip on Anna before finally one day, Anna bolted up in the bed to proclaim Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, and Mina, hell, 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 my Jesus mercy, praised be Jesus Christ. And just like that, the demons were gone. Holy yeah. How'd they know they're gone? They're just. She went back to living a normal life, although she was like kind of traumatized by it. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, but she she didn't remember any of like the crazy shit, like the floating and stuff. So she was kind of she was less affected than the nuns and the priests that had to witness all that. Also, um, I didn't mention during this time, like sh the room smelled like shit. Like oh, it smelled yeah. like absolute garbage. Yeah. She wakes up. and She's like, man, who peed in here? Yeah. <laughs> Well, the so the nuns, all of them, they they asked to be transferred away because it was just so traumatic. And eventually, the covenant itself got demolished in the 1990s. Um, Anna went on to lead a fairly normal life, but she was, you know, a little bit traumatized. Um, she uh, and then the priest became to, or the the original priest, the one that was in there for the longest time, he kind of got famous for being America's foremost expert on exorcisms because they were like, that was the gnarliest exorcism I could have been exorcised. So um, he's like, thank you. He was like on he was on the a page in Time magazine in 1936. And then the other the second priest, Father Steger, he just was like, I don't I just want to lead a quiet life. Yeah, I'm retiring <laughs> he went into hiding. This. Yeah, he was very disturbed. Um so when they were interviewing people for this book, uh, one of the nuns said 
I was a witness to almost the whole period of the exorcism of the Erling possession case, and I can truthfully say that the facts mentioned in the Begone Satan are correct. Some of the scenes were even more frightful than described in the book. This is There is not the slightest doubt in my mind that the devils were present, and I will never forget the horrible scenes, vile, filthy, and dirty as long as I live. So th- th- what's, what fascinates me is like these people, they were eyewitnesses, and they were like, it's new enough that they were able to interview and like give their accounts. I'm going to fucking church after this shit. Right? 100%. Oh, by the way, this episode might go a little longer because like these stories were pretty insane. This episode brought to you by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Maybe we should take a break right here. I'm down. Okay, because this next story is also pretty terrifying and I want you to be prepared. So grab a snack, grab a drink, um, grab some holy water. Grab your rosaries, and uh, we'll see you in a second. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall, like it... I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We just want to take a break to tell you, to like, thanks for listening to our podcast. And if you want to rate it, that would be really awesome for us. Like, Listen, we're on break. We're not talking to you like podcast hosts right now. We're just talking to you like people. As a friend. And we just want to say, please rate the show because it helps out huge amounts. Like, we're not desperate. We're, like, kind of desperate. We're giving shout-outs right now to all the people who are giving it ratings. So, huge shout-out right now to Brian Jorgensen. That was sick of you, dude. Thank you. God bless. Uh, huge shout-out right now to Mark. Mark W. in Springfield, Connecticut. Back to our podcast. Jenny Blight. Hey, back to our podcast. In Tuscany, and Florida. back to our podcast. God bless you. Thank you. Steven. Thank you for supporting the show. <laughs> okay, we're back. And we're. I'm going to start the second story, which I think I picked this story because it was the first story of an exorcism that actually went to a court trial. Like it ended in a court trial. Whoa. So it, it's mixing 
law, legal stuff and religion, right? I mean, yeah. if you think of demons as being like a religious aspect or a spiritual thing, uh, it was the first time that things were brought up in a court of law that were like to do with ghosts and demons. Nice. It's like um, the Al Pacino movie. Yeah, exactly. Wait, which one is that? The one where he's the devil? And, I didn't and see Keanu, that Keanu, Keanu, Keanu Reeves? I, my mind jumped to the movie that this Devil's- is actually based on, which is The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, I was Have you- Devil's Advocate. Oh, uh, I'll have to watch that one. It's a sick movie. Have you seen Exorcism of I have not. Emily I cannot Rose? watch scary movies. Okay. Well, it stars Dexter's sister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I heard she's really good in it. Too. She's really good. That's what, that's this movie's really good. Me. I saw it a long time ago, but um, it was really good. Uh, they did also did a good job of presenting both sides of the story. Cool. Like if whether you believe it was demons or you believe it was it could be explained away by um, her diagnosis of being epileptic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they presented both sides because I'll tell you the story. Cool. But, you know, it, it, it covers why the court decided what they decided. Nice. And then I'll tell you the devil's advocate story. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Wait, uh, the movie story? Yeah, or, yeah the movie. Yeah. Or the, okay. I'll take you through the whole movie. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is the story of Annalise Michelle. I, I don't know if it's Michelle or Michelle. She's German too. <laughs> Could you here. guess? Yeah. She was born in on September 21st, 1952 in uh, Bavaria, Germany. So Annalise and her three sisters were raised in a strict Catholic family. Notice any consistencies here? So far. German and Catholic. Okay. Her father, Joseph, had considered training as a priest, and three of her aunts were also nuns. So they were very freaking strict. Um, Four years before Annalise was born, her mother gave birth to an illegitimate daughter, Martha. And as a result, her mother suffered great shame and was forced to wear a black veil on her wedding day. Oh, shit. Yeah, so when Annalise was a child, her mother encouraged her to atone for the sins of the illegitimacy through fervent devotion. When Annalise's sister Martha died at the age of eight during an operation to remove a kidney tumor, this likely only increased Annalise's desire to do penance for her mother. So the mom was basically, from the time Annalise was born, was like, you need to repent for my sins. Dude, she's born into that Catholic guilt, dude. Mm -hmm. Holy so in 1968, when she was 17 and still in high school, Annalise began to suffer from convulsions. Court findings have her experiencing her first epileptic attack in 1969, and it was then that a neurologist at the psychiatric clinic Wurzburg diagnosed her with grand mal epilepsy. Soon, Annalise started experiencing devilish, hallucina- devilish hallucinations while praying. She also began to hear voices which told her that she was damned. The court determined that by 1973, Annalise was suffering from depression, considering suicide in 1975. Then she was convinced that she was possessed in 1975, and her parents gave up on the doctors from the psychiatric clinic. They were like, you're not helping our daughter. It's still happening. Her mom even saw her staring at a holy figure, I think it was Mother Mary, um, the Virgin Mary, and sh- the mom said that her eyes were went black, like completely black. Jeez. Yeah. So she was like, you're not helping my daughter out with the psychiatric stuff, like the traditional um, medicinal route and like the, the mental health route. So they, then they chose to rely solely on the exorcisms for healing. But later, um, people were like, her symptoms kind of match schizophrenia, and they wonder if maybe she would have responded to treatment had she been treated for schizophrenia. We'll never know. Um, The first unofficial diagnosis was made by an older woman who accompanied Annalise on a pilgrimage. She noticed that Annalise avoided walking past a particular image of Jesus and that she refused to drink water from a holy spring. 
The woman also claimed that Annalise smelled hellishly bad. That's kind of mean. <laughs> and an exorcist from a nearby town examined Annalise and concluded that she was demonically possessed. And after two failed requests, the right of exorcism was finally granted by the bishop. So when you think someone might be possessed, you have to apply for it. And then the church kind of checks it out. And then like they have to approve that it actually is a demonic possession. And I'll get to... I was really curious about this approval process, so I'll get to that after this story because I really wanted to know like what determines who they decided is possessed and whatnot. Okay, so they they were like, okay, we are we agree she's possessed. We're gonna do this exorcism, and um, Annalise carried out uh, a number of highly disturbing actions during this time. She licked her own urine off of the floor, so she would frequently pee and then lick up her own urine. She ate flies, spiders, and coal. She bit off the head of a dead bird in one instance. And then um, another, at another time, she crawled under a table and barked like a dog for two days. She would often be heard screaming through the walls for hours. Tearing off her clothes and urinating on the floor became a regular occurrence. Um, Why even put the clothes back on? Though? I know, right? Well, because these people are like a possessed. They go through trances. So like they're in and out of being their normal selves and then being possessed. Mm. So which is so during her trance state, she's rip her clothes off and pee. And then during her normal state, she's like, oh, why am I naked? And she put it. Oh, there's so much pee. And there's so much pee. Yeah. Kind of sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I don't want to be possessed because it's like. I thought about it, but now I'm like, It's messy and you smell bad all the time. I don't like that. I need showers. Yeah, it's true. You do need showers. So um, Annalise was convinced that she'd been possessed by several demons, including Lucifer, Judas Iscariot. What? Like, why? Like, both of them, again. Judas is so bored. Yeah. Nero, Cain, Hitler. She was possessed by Hitler. Whoa. And Fleischmann, a disgraced Frankish priest from the 16th century, who the priest that was doing the exorcism said that she would have no had no way of knowing about. But there was this one priest who, like, did some evil shit, and he was cast out and... Um, yeah, so she like said that she was possessed by him too. Wow. She also mentioned a few other damn souls who had manifested themselves through her, but they were not as important. Um, the freaky part though is that they actually have audio recording from her exorcisms, and this, this is like if you're wondering like could she have been acting? Um, listen to this audio, and you tell me what like this is one of the most disturbing pieces of audio I've ever heard. Can we play it? Yeah. So that's so that's that. Whoa, 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 true. True, true, true. You could do it. Okay, fine. Like that one could be imitated. I found another clip all line that I thought was way more disturbing. I thought this was like the shortened version of it, but hold on one second. Let me find it. Uh, 
Okay. So far, yeah. I've heard a lot of that on the subway. Okay. I'm watching one that has English subtitles yeah. and she's basically saying like only dumbasses pray and like all these people are stupid. But the voice that she has is like very guttural and like very from her throat yes. and like not natural. So a lot of people were like, maybe she got that from the movie The Exorcist. Because mm -hmm. when you compare the two, it sounds very similar. Yes. And like, you know, the actor playing her like didn't or playing the, you know, the one that got possessed wasn't like actually possessed so like you could make your voice sound like that mm -hmm. but it doesn't explain how she started feeling this way and acting this way before that movie came out got it yeah it's like people were like trying to trying to like debunk it pick it apart of yeah. course you have to you have to try well yeah you have to yeah but they were trying to be like she's copying but they're like wait she was doing this before right she was like the og so it's pretty it's pretty weird like she's talking from her throat yes a person could do that um, and this was presented in court um, that a lot of people also said that um, they brought up the point that maybe because they did so much exorcism stuff. Um, by the way, she ended up dying uh, during these exorcists or exorcisms because um, of malnutrition. The uh, the official autopsy on July 1st, 1976 said that she succumbed to the effects of severe dehydration and malnourishment because while she was getting these exorcisms done, she wasn't eating. Right. And they were trying to make her eat, but she wanted to like starve the demons, basically. So Holy she wasn't shit. eating, and so she was super malnourished. She died at like 60 pounds. Uh, at the time of her death, she was also suffering from pneumonia and a high fever, and they didn't call the doctor or anything. And then she was buried next to her illegitimate sister, Martha, at the outer edges of the cemetery. Um, yeah, so this was really controversial because people were like, maybe she just had epilepsy or schizophrenia and then she wasn't being treated properly, which is very valid. Like, cause yeah. they didn't go through like all the steps of what it could have possibly been. They're like, let's just check if she's a demon first. Yeah. And we'll kind of circle back to that. Well, they had gone to the psychiatrist and stuff and the, remember she got diagnosed with being epileptic, but then her possession stuff her her fits got worse after she got on medication so the mom was like i think this medication's making her worse right and so she took her off of that medication and then by that time i guess it was too late because demons already entered um but the there were also they brought this up in court that um the exorcisms took a significant toll on her body um so annalise endured 67 rites of exorcism over a period of 10 months over time, the ligaments in her knees ruptured due to the 600 genuflections that she performed obsessively during each exorcism session. A genuflection is an act of reverence consisting of falling onto one or both knees, called a W, that if you're on both knees, it's a double genuflection. And on June 30th, during her last rite of exorcism before her death, she was too weak and emaciated to perform the genuflections on her own. So her parents actually stood up and helped her carry through the motions. That's how weak she was. Some experts believe that um, this is possible 
and psychiatrists who testified during the trial spoke about the uh, doctrination induction, which in relation to Annalise explains that she maybe accepted her behavior as a form of demonic possession because people were telling her she was possessed. Like they were acting and treating her like she was possessed. So she just kind of like accepted it. Whoa. Yeah. And then just started to act in that behavior. Um, so, uh, what was the trial about? It was just about wrongful death. The trial death? was, yeah, about wrongful, uh, about negligence. Mm-hmm. Like, could her parents have prevented that death or was, did she die due to, um, negligence or like the, was the malnutrition preventable? Right. And like it was, but she was also an adult that refused food. Right. Keep in mind. So like you go back and forth the story and it's like, huh, I don't know. Like she was an adult. She believed she was possessed. So how can you like tell somebody? Well, you could put them on feeding tube and shit too, right? That's what, uh, ultimately that's what the court determined that they could have saved her by taking her to a hospital or getting her on a feeding tube. I think they should have taken her to a hospital anyway, because then at least like if she is possessed, all the doctors can see it, you know? Right. Like, sure. then it's not just the family being like, you don't understand. She's possessed. I say, put her in a holy water jacuzzi, then take her to the hospital. Then you do both. Yeah, exactly. Holy water jacuzzi, man. Holy water Why jacuzzi. has no one done a holy water jacuzzi? I've been talking about it for years. I know. You're always talking about it. You should it. put them in the holy water jacuzzi for, you know, until they get a little bit uh, wrinkly. And then, and then you're, and then you go to a hospital. And then you go to the hospital after, then you cover both. Yeah, so she she refused to eat. Uh, she forced herself to fast because she believed she believed that it would rid her of Satan's influence. And at the time of her death, she weighed only sixty eight pounds. Prior to her death, she had spoke of dying to atone for the sins of wayward youth and apostate priests of the modern church. Um, so there was there was a lot. Of, I, I mean, I'm skeptical of this case. Yes, it does seem like she was possessed by demons, especially when you hear like. Uh, audio like that but then there's also like she had a lot of trauma in her childhood and she was kind of indoctrinated into this needing to atone for sins and that there was always like evil around yeah and a lot of times when people are traumatically impacted like that Mm -hmm. they like split their own personalities off uh so that they create a place like where they can be safe as them and then they create a place where they can like rage yeah, out. Yeah, so I think what you're talking about is disassociative identity disorder. Yes. DID. Um, and yeah, like that uh, usually is caused from something traumatic that happened in your youth and then you are you can't physically handle the trauma so you split off your personality you and each personality carries a different part of the trauma. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when, when they do uh, exorcisms and this is what I thought was so interesting because uh, the process of getting an exorcism, the Catholic Church is actually really strict now. Like they don't, they don't want to be this like joke, and they don't want you to think that like they're trying to get you to believe in exorc in possession and stuff. So they are very scrutinizing when they um, approve an exorcism to be had. And part of that is uh, they first need you to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist who can possibly diagnose for known issues. So the vast majority of cases uh, end there, like 80% of the cases end at that. They get, they go get a diagnosis and they can be diagnosed with um, DID, which you were talking about, or uh, schizophrenia, or, um, you know, possibly some other PTSD or drug and alcohol abuse. A lot of these things are also caused by childhood trauma yeah so and they you know they have the same sort of markings of where you black out and you can't remember these things that have happened 
Um, so they're like, you know what? You got to make sure you're not, you don't have one of these things first. But they can also, they're not mutually exclusive. Like, you can have PTSD and get possessed by demons. So, of course you can. You know? So they also... If you've already gotten a diagnosis, they also look for certain common traits of possession, which is a facility in a language the person has never learned. So, you know, that makes... That shit's wild. Yeah, when you, like, Fluent know Latin. Latin all of a sudden and you never learned Latin before. I don't know about that, bud. Um, physical strength beyond his or her age or condition. Like, how are you a superhuman? How can you, like, physically fight 10 people? What about the mommy mommy thing? Mo- what mommy M- thing? Mommy strength. Like yeah, babies trapped under a car, and mommies pick up the fucking car. Yeah, within a moment of strength. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they're possessed by uh, angelic forces or something. You know what I'm I saying? Know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there's. I'm just trying to poke holes. Well, yeah. So these, but these are just you have to kind of like fit all this criteria for the Catholic Church, too. So you have to like know Latin, and you have to have all the strength. Wow. The mommies, they don't really know Latin. They definitely don't know Latin. I mean, although some do, we're not saying not all mommies. We're we're not not saying all moms. Not all moms. Some mommies mommies do know Latin. Latin. We just want to cover our bases. Yeah, just going to cover that. Okay. Um, They also one of the other traits is access to secret knowledge, like knowing other people's shit without like you couldn't have possibly known their secrets, and then also a vehement aversion to God and sacred objects, including crucifixes and holy water. That was the fucking bomb about that other story. Yeah, because that chick's like. Even not rejecting the placebo. Yeah, exactly. That one's the craziest one. That's to really me, good shit. Where I'm like, it rules out all the holes that I would bring up. But I feel like, like you did a good job giving us one on the each side of the fence. Yeah, exactly. Like how it could be faked, maybe, and or, yeah, or, or due even, to trauma, or, or you didn't investigate. Fake, but, but like the people had a reason, or or like it was in their incentive to say this chick was possessed because she died under our care. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that one was just like. I don't know, like, there's a lot of a, what I would consider abuse. Yeah. You know, they didn't consider it abuse, they just considered it a strict religious upbringing. But, like, uh, she had to, Annalise had to um, sleep on a cobblestone floor once to atone for the sins of, of wayward priests and drug addicts that um, had, that had were homeless and were sleeping on the floors. Jesus. Yeah, so she, from a young age, she was kind of conditioned no to, to think that she had to atone for other people's sins. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. Um, okay, so if you want to get an exorcism, you have to pass all of that criteria. Um, only a very small number of exorcism requests make it through this discernment process. And uh, the Catholic exorcists that were interviewed in this article that I was reading, um, each with more than a decade of experience as being an exorcist, they had only worked on a handful of cases deemed to be true possession. So even they're saying, like, you know, most of it is people, you know, being spinning out, kind of warping their own realities or having some other diagnosis that um, they need to find out beforehand. But there's a handful that they're like, this one is a true possession. Yo, that was Beelzebub, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, The church wants to tread lightly and be skeptical when examining possible cases of demonic possession. And one of the priests says uh, they treat exorcism like a nuclear weapon, meaning... Uh, a countermeasure that is important to have in the arsenal, but that should only be used when no other explanation can be found. Mm. So they do it very, very rarely. Okay, so then let's say you have passed, and you're, you're like, okay, yes. you're you, you get in the exorcism, baby. Yes. You're you've been deemed possessed by I was demonic denied forces, three times. but you finally got it. So th- what happens during an exorcism? I wanted to know, like, wh- how do they go about getting these d- demons out? 
So usually what happens is, and this is according to the priests that were interviewed. This there's this article from the Atlantic that I was reading. I maybe link it in the in the description, but um, there there was like a bunch of priests that were interviewed, and so it wasn't just one or two. And this is kind of the sum of what they said happens. The ritual begins with with the exorcist, who is typically assisted by several people, sprinkling holy water on the possessed person. The exorcist makes the sign of the cross and kneels to recite the, uh, the litany of saints, followed by several readings of scripture. He then addresses the demon or demons, establishing the ground rules that they must abide by to reveal themselves when called, give their names when asked to identify themselves, and leave when dismissed. Because the exorcist is working with the full authority of God and Jesus Christ, Catholic doctrine stipulates that demons have no choice but to obey. So far, it's pretty boring. It's like Sunday school. At the rite's climax, sometimes an hour or more into the ritual, the exorcist calls on the devil directly, and he goes, I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every specter from hell, and all your fell companions. Sick. Sessions typically end with a closing prayer and a plan to continue. And then, for those few people the church believes are truly possessed, a half a dozen more exorcisms may be carried out before the priest is confident that the demons have been fully expelled sometimes they pretend like they're expelled but really they live in there a little bit longer which where, is what i think happened in the first one where do they get this fucking info to like it's like is it in the ancient, bible yeah they're well, like yo here, here actually i was reading another article that i don't have all the details written down for it but i just thought it was fascinating that um it's actually it's, the demand is higher than ever for right. exorcists but there's less interested people than ever because they're like I'm too scared of this shit. And like the process for exercising these demons had to be translated to English and in a bunch of different, you know, other languages that modern day people could understand. And so um, there's high demand and low supply for exorcists. So if you're if you're thinking of getting a new job right now, I know the job market's tough, but like exorcists are in really high demand. It's an emerging field. Yeah. A lot of priests, young priests do not want to touch it. How how much much you get an hour on, on average? I mean, I don't even think you get anything. You're just working for the church. And, like, you just have to, like, work because you believe in, in that's your purpose in your mission in life. Oh, that's tight. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then, in this article, they covered, like, how, how does someone get possessed? Because I was like, shit, like, if this happens, I don't want this to happen to me. And then I get denied exorcists, right? So, how do you get possessed? According to Catholic doctrine, in order to take possession of a person in the first place, demons have to rely on doorways. So basically you have to open up your channels in order for them to enter. Mm. So this can include things like habitual sin and family curses in which an act of violence or inequity, no wait, in which an act of violence, I'm just going to say violence, committed by one generation manifests itself in the subsequent generations. But subsequent sorry subsequent generations sorry this was from the article um but uh in this interview they said that the priests that were interviewed um kept coming back saying that like these things are rarely the reason why the the top two reasons that people get to uh possessed over and over like this is what almost all the priests says they they were like there's two particular doorways that are the top two reasons one Nearly every Catholic exorcist that was spoken to cited a history of abuse in this victim, in particular sexual abuse, Whoa. as a major doorway for demons. 
Father Thomas, which was one of the priests that was interviewed, said that as many as 80% of the people who came to him seeking an exorcism are sexual abuse survivors. According to these priests, sexual abuse is so traumatic that it creates a kind of soul wound, as Thomas puts it, that makes a person more vulnerable to demons. The exorcists, to be clear, aren't saying that sexual abuse torments people to such an extent that they come to believe they're possessed. The exorcists contend that abuse fosters the conditions for actual demonic possession to take hold. But from a secular standpoint, the link to sexual abuse helps explain why someone might become convinced that he or she is being menaced by something sinister and overpowering. A lot of disorders are linked to sexual abuse, PTSD, DID, schizophrenia, those ones that were mentioned, alcohol addictions, drug addictions but they're not mutually exclusive. The trauma is so much that your mind or soul, depending on what you believe, wants to separate itself from the physical form, thus providing entry for the demons to take over. The second doorway that is the most popular, the second doorway. Sleeping on the floor of a bus. No, but close. Okay. An interest in the occult. Yep. Which is on the rise right now, which kind of explains, well, if you want to go down that route, if you're like, why is it on the rise? Uh, there's more and more people in today's society that are interested in the cult than ever before. Most of the exorcists that were interviewed said they believed that demonic possession was becoming more common, and they cited a resurgence in magic, divination, witchcrafts, and attempts to communicate with the dead as primary cause. Ouija boards. Uh, yes, exactly. The shady fucks. According to Catholic teaching, engaging with the occult involves accessing parts of the spiritual realm that may be inhabited by demonic forces. Those practices become the engine that allows the demon to come in. And uh, they were saying that, um, well, a lot of historians and journalists and academics have uh, documented a renewed interest in magic, astrology, and witchcraft, primarily among millennials right now. Um, When the occult is a substitution for God, people want to take shortcuts, and the occult is all about power and knowledge. One exorcist even pointed to Harry Potter and said that the books and films disarmed Americans from thinking that all magic is darkness. Um, a lot of historians of religions say that during periods when the influence of organized religions ebbs, so when like less people are interested in religion, which is kind of like how it is now, um, when that starts to ebb, people seek spiritual fulfillment through the occult. And today we're seeing a, a hunger for contact with the supernatural, which I could say is pretty true. Oh, yeah. Look at how many people are doing yoga out there. We're, we're into aliens and shit. Fuck I, yeah. I would, I would love to receive. No, I don't. I don't, I don't no, want no, 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 not that kind. No, no, no. I don't want it. I want alien attention. I would like to know, I would like to hear of other people's stories and involvement with aliens, but I don't want to be involved. I would like to see it. I would like to see one. I don't want to see one. I've seen a craft before. I heard. Yeah. Listen to the UFO episode if you want to hear that. If you guys want to check that out. But you were talking about the Ouija board, which I think I- Dude, that one's, that's shit. I don't fuck with that I don't fuck with the Ouija board, guys. Like I know it's a kids thing. It's like Milton Bradley or something. Or like the the I don't know the freaking playmate or you can get a better one. Get get the uh, off market ones. They look way. Do better. not don't fuck with those Ouija boards. Don't get the ones that have logos. I don't on care it. if you believe or don't believe. Like you don't win with it from all the stories that I've. That's what read. okay. That's so okay. The, there's a very uh, interesting story. My father told me as a uh, that when he was a kid on his block, there was a a kid whose uh, parents died. Like in the same week, and like one after the other, one after the other, and that um, the kid had a very a completely normal life, and then after this, uh, after his parents died, he just had a string of bad luck nonstop. After that, like friends dying, like like Whoa. like sister, all this shit, and he said that 
around the neighborhood, everyone knew that he had done a Ouija board with a couple of neighborhood kids, and that after that happened, that, that so the Ouija board happened before the the parents dying. Exactly. Damn. So, that, so they linked that and go like, that's what started. That's not that fair because it's like I didn't play with the Ouija board; my stupid kid did, and now I got to die a. for it. Fucking a! You Sucks. don't know what you're inviting in, dude. That's the whole legend. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know the you know the movie Exorcist, The uh-huh. Exorcist, the famous movie The Exorcist. Um, it was actually based on this kid named Roland Doe. I think that's a pseudonym, but um, Roland Doe uh, was playing with a Ouija board. Um, basically, he was an only child who developed a strong attachment to his aunt, who was a spiritualist, who showed him how to use a Ouija board. And then after she died, Roland and his parents reported strange phenomena in their house. Furniture moving on its own, scratchy noises coming from Roland's mattress, objects levitating. The paranormal occurrences Roland's parents observed always seemed to happen around their son. According to some accounts, a priest connected an exorcism. Oh, sorry, con- conducted an exorcism on Roland in Georgetown University Hospital, a Jesuit institution in D.C., during which the boy managed to snap off a bed spring from underneath his mattress and use it to slash the priest's arm. Fuck. Roland and his parents eventually left their home in Maryland to stay with extended family in St. Louis, and then there the priest carried out at least 20 exorcisms over the course of a month. Witnesses claim that Roland spoke in a deep, unrecognizable, unrecognizable voice and spouted Latin phrases he'd never learned. He reportedly vomited so profusely that the exorcist performing the rite had to wear a raincoat, and he fought so violently that 10 people were required to hold him down. One of the priests said that at a certain point, he saw the word hell appear as though etched into Roland's flesh. And then in April of 1949, several hours into an exorcism, Roland finally surfaced from his trance-like state and said he's gone to the priest, and then he was fine. Whoa. Yeah. Did he, did he say who was in there? No, he didn't. Well, maybe he did. I didn't research this one as much. I just thought it was interesting because the other two had sexual abuse in their stories. Right. And then this one had the Ouija board in their story. So the two doorways that all the priests talk about, like this was the second one because Roland doesn't seem to have any sexual abuse, but he does have an aunt that was heavily into the occult and gave him a Ouija board. Maybe Tom Latin too. Who knows? Maybe, but probably not because he was a kid. Oh shit! Yeah, and so this is what the what the movie The Exorcist was based on. Wow. Well, the book was based on it, and then the movie was based on the book. Yeah. Several researchers have since cast doubt on whether anything supernatural took place in the exorcisms, but none has been able to definitive, definitively contradict the priest's accounts. Wow. Yeah, which is what's wild about all this is that like, uh, like no one's been able to explain it. Like, I don't know if they currently have scientists like looking at that. I think they should do that. Like have some psych scientists or psychologists in there when the exorcisms are happening so that they can possibly provide some sort of explanation. Cause right now it's like, okay, but what does a scientist say? We don't know. Like why aren't the scientists going in there? Yeah, or they maybe get, they have, but they, they don't want to run out of town. Yeah. They don't want to say anything. Yeah, what do you want? That's why ufology got like ignored for so long. Yeah, which is sad. Because everyone's just afraid of being called a kook and shit. But like the whole process of science is to debunk all these things through yeah, science, right? So like you you want to have things that you can't explain, so you could go try to explain them. Shit, I'm with you, girl. Preach. <sighs> I know, but then the, you know the government gives grants to like lure scientists away from studying that. And... Well, yeah. Well, it, I would criticize a grant to study exorcism but 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 then it could put an end to all these people talking about it no question. right you know like i feel like people just want answers and yeah. when there's no answers and like this keeps happening to people like people 
you know, get their bodies taken over and they start speaking in different languages and vomiting everywhere. Like, I would want a cure. Like, can you just, like, tell me what the fuck's wrong or, like, explain it so we can work on a cure for this? We need a cure, man. Because so far, the only cure is to be exercised by a priest. Or to get into a holy water jacuzzi. Or a holy water jacuzzi, which is why aren't people doing they that? They should be manufacturing them. They should have priests selling holy water jacuzzi. That's what I'm so saying. They're pre-blessed. You know the Pope can bless literally anything? Yeah. Like he has blessed a Lamborghini Aventador before. I've what? S- I had the picture of it. No. Yeah. He, there's a picture of the Pope. In a blessed Lamborghini? He, 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 no, he's standing in front of a fucking Lamborghini Huracan or whatever. And he's like blessing it. It's a white Lamborghini. Whoa. I also thought it was strange that one of the doorways is sexual abuse. And then, you know, like the history with the Catholic Church. and oh, like yeah. Because I think like if you are to go down that route and you believe that that's a doorway, like I think it got corrupt. And like if you were an evil, if you were a Satan worshiper or like a, into the occult or witchcraft or whatever, wouldn't you want to go destroy the Catholic Church from within? Yeah, fuck I feel yeah. Like, if they're my enemy, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, so I feel like if you know that that's a doorway for demons. Or knowing that human beings are corruptible easily corruptible yeah you know you just go about influencing them that way oh yeah getting the priests to do to do all kind of shit who knows well when beelzebub was speaking through anna auckland it was presenting like philosophical debates on like why you should join the other side so maybe it got one or two of them damn i don't know i don't know we don't know and that's i think the most eerie part of all of it is that we don't know like there's there's just no answers there's like a lot of questions and not enough answers i wish i could have been in that room I don't. And, and then, well, no, but you're listening <laughs> to it, no. right? And then it's like it's like you're watching uh, TV and you're like, damn, Beelzebub won that debate. <laughs> right? Like Fucking, a presidential debate yeah, between like, like a priest and Beelzebub? Like I thought the questions were a little, you know, not great, but, <laughs> but Beelzebub won far and clear in a way. They presented much more factual evidence. He just got to the point. Yeah. You know, the priest guy kept reading. He was saying, reading prayers, like, out, like outdated traditional it, prayers. Man. Stop reading. <laughs> Speak from the heart. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I don't wish to be in that room. All the duns were like, that was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. And I never thought something like that could exist. Um, but I would like to see videos of it, maybe. Yeah, fuck yeah. Like, then I don't have to smell the smell. Like, you think about, like, they describe it as being the most wretched yeah, I don't like bad stench. Smells. I don't like bad smell. She's vomiting and pissing everywhere. And then she's like, you know, speaking in different voices and like multiple voices at a time, growling. She's fucking stuck to the ceiling. Stuck to the goddamn ceiling. Get they down. Can't, they can't even get her off. They get had to down. need like 10 people to get her get off. Get off of the ceiling. Get off the ceiling. Come on. Although that scene reminds me of the scene in Scary Movie. Oh, of course. <laughs> like, they ruined it for me. They ruined exorcisms for me. Maybe that was their plan. Yeah, maybe. So now we, now anyway. we all just make fun of exorcisms. Right. See? I think it's really I mean they're getting requested all the time oh I have some stats uh, so the church has been training new exorcists in Chicago Rome and Manila and in 2011 the US had fewer than 15 known Catholic exorcists today uh, the the priest said that there are between 70 and 100 known exorcists again no official statistics exist and most um Dossiers, dossier, dossiers, dossiers, conceal the identity of their appointed exorcist to avoid unwanted attention. So these people don't want you to know that they they are doing these exorcisms. Of course not. They're like they don't even want to be discredited as priests because they're like like I'm not a crazy quack yeah, person. Yeah, c- still come to my dude. Okay, so I gotta say, 
other than I think storm chasing, I think this would be probably my 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 second career choice. Yeah, because I find it so very interesting. You would want to be a storm chaser. Storm chasing, so sick. Why? It's a natural disaster that would probably kill you. No, but it's a fucking tornado, and it's fucking huge. Right. And have you ever been around a tornado? I have. I haven't, and I don't want to. So I have, and it's an interesting, horrific thrill. But it's so, like skydiving. So tornadoes yeah. are known to kill people, like, and that's scientifically proven. Like, it's a natural yeah. occurrence, and it's like it kills people. Yeah, but I want to be like in Twister, where he has a scientific research reason to be there, mm-hmm. and then when it happens, I can jump up and down and be like, "We did it." <laughs> well, you could do that with other things. You could be like, "We did it." I just want to turn it. You do become an accountant, and then after tax season's over, you're like, "We did it." What if I had an elaborate pow- uh, setting set of powder, and I got enough of it? I thought you were gonna say powers. But no powder. Pa- powder. Okay. Powders. Many different powders. Uh huh. But my scientific dream was to, to throw turn, it in the tornado. Throw it into the tornado and create a rainbow. A tornado. rainbow tornado. That'd be pretty sick. Wouldn't that be sick? But I don't think. And then once I do it, I'm like, we did it. And I'm like crying and I'm like, well, I'm hugging all the other scientists. Uh, but you'd have to get close enough that it would swallow you. It's a risk worth taking. That's true. If you did that, I would be impressed. Right? But anything less than that, I would not be impressed. Isn't that better than that free solo guy fucking climbing a mountain with his hands? No. I thought it was. Because, <laughs> no, because honestly, it's like people, many people have climbed this mountain. He's like, yeah, but I'm just going to do it with only my hands, no tools. It's like, I mean, look, dude, that's sick and all, but turning a tornado rainbow colors, yeah, <laughs> that's way sicker. The difference is he actually did it. Well, I haven't done it yet. No one's done that yet. No, I know, but no, literally no one's turned a tornado even one color. I'm right. talking about turning it like seven colors at the same time. Yeah, it's that would be pretty sick. It'd be sick as can fuck. You, it's, can you make like, like fireworks go off too? Like I want a light show. Later, later. It'll get to a point where I'm bored with the rainbow. Color. I know it will because everyone's gonna start doing it yeah. after I do it. Like you'll see a, an American flag one yeah. and like all this shit. And you're like, oh, okay, we got it already. It'll yeah. be like July Fourth. But I'm sorry that I'm not impressed by most things you do, and you feel the need to make rainbow tornadoes. But I would be impressed by that. You'd have to be. <laughs> be all right, guys. Well, let us know what you think about uh, exorcisms and spooky stuff and. Those stories. Um, there were so many exorcist, exorcism stories that I read that creeped me out, but I wanted to pick like the most frightening ones and the ones that could be debated the most. You and did good. So there you have it. Hey, and don't forget to uh, go to th- iTunes. That's right. Rate us five stars. That helps so much. And also check out our Patreon. We love our yeah, Patreon. Patreon.com slash sticky. We do bonus episodes of uh, Shit They Don't Tell You called Shit They Don't Tell You After Dark, where we talk about shit that they didn't tell us that we're having to go through right now in the current moment as we're going through it. Um, we also do another podcast there called We Just Woke Up where we give you our thoughts upon waking up. It's and we a, do monthly cool live streams. Yeah, it's tight. Go and The community over there is awesome. Shout out to our Patreon community. You guys are fucking dope. Shout out. We love you. Um, all right, and that's it. That's it. We'll Bye. see you next week. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... 
I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.